and amen. Hey, grab a seat, and as you do, get a Bible in front of you. Psalm 27, happy Father's Day to your dads out Glad that you're spending your Father's Day with us. Psalm 27, if you need a Bible, you'll find one under a seat somewhere nearby you. And um, if you're uh, new with navigating the Bible, kind of flip it right open to the middle. You'll probably land in the book of Psalms, and we're in the 27th Psalm today. And uh, as you turn there, just uh, uh, help me out, a show of hands here. How many of you would confess you're probably afraid of heights? A little bit of, holy smokes, I didn't expect that. Uh, All over the room. The first time I remember... Uh, I'm sure uh, I was gripped by fear before this, but the first vivid memory of being gripped by fear, um, I was in third grade, I was at a wrestling camp at Michigan State University, and in our free time, they would let us use the competition pool, and at a college competition pool, you have the diving boards, but then you have the platform dive, right? And if you've ever seen those platform diving things, they, look, they don't look that high when you're in the pool looking up, right? But um, climb those stairs, and then as a little third grader, I climbed the stairs, and then I made the worst mistake you can possibly make. And what's that? You walk out to the edge and look down. Bro, don't do that. Run and jump. And I remember a little third grader uh, walked to the edge, looked down, and went, oh, no. You know, weak need, that feeling in your stomach. And I went to turn around to walk back down the stairs, but the stairs were absolutely full of other kids there at the wrestling camp who you have to do kind of the, the, the walk past them. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I fear that more than I fear jumping. <laughs> And so back to the end of the platform I go, another buddy of mine right there with me, we kind of look at each other and run and jump. It's not fun when you're gripped by fear. And uh, as you walk in here today, I just have one question that kind of frames the, where we're going in Psalm 27, and the question is this, what are you afraid of? Now, you and I both know that as we grow up, there are fears that are way more gripping than just fear heights. If you're afraid of heights, stay off roofs, right? If you're afraid of spiders, stomp on them. You know there's other things that come up in life that produce way more fear than a fear of heights or a fear of the dark or a fear of spiders. Uh, What are you afraid of? And I just submit to us today that the toughest person walking in the room today is afraid of something, is afraid of probably some things. Um, We often probably don't even know the effects that fear is having on our life. Uh, We might watch a loved one who's bouncing from unhealthy relationship to unhealthy relationship to unhealthy relationship, and we're like, what is going on without ever diagnosing there's a deep fear of being alone that's going on in their heart? Um, we can look at our own lives and, and see this, like, this workaholicism. I made that up, okay? Workaholic is this unhealthy, I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more, without ever diagnosing this underlying, underlying fear of quote-unquote being a failure. Uh, some of us do things that on the other side of it, we're like, why in the world do I do that? When I'm with my friends and when I'm with that group, why do I do that? Because there's this underlying fear that we've not diagnosed, uh, that we're afraid of being rejected by them or not being accepted by them or not being in. Fear affects us in more ways than we even know. Uh, that fear, for some of us in the room, can go undiagnosed because it's this chronic underlying um, 
manifestation of worry or anxiety or stress. And we might not ever even know that the root of that is, is fear. For others of us, um, we know the fear because we live with crippling fear. Crippling paralysis of fear. And so as we turn to Psalm 27 today, um, the book of Psalms, is. think of it as a hymnal. Think of it as a songbook. Uh, we're going to study the lyrics of a song today. And in studying the lyrics of a song, um, I think what we're going to come across is one fear-crushing reminder for our heart and then five outcomes that happen when that reminder is, is screamed into our heart this morning. And if you're, and if you're someone who's like, ah, I'm not really a song person, I don't really want to study a lyric, uh, and especially you guys in the room, you need to know something. The guy who wrote this song as like a teenager killed a dude who was about, stood by between nine feet and ten feet high and then cut off his head and held it up for an entire army to rally against. You're not a song guy, that dude's a song guy. He's a man. Like the greatest warrior probably the Bible has ever seen, and yet in the quiet moments of his heart, how he processed what God was doing in his heart, he, he wrote it out in song, and we have it by inspiration of the Holy Scriptures in front of us and by the Holy Spirit in front of us to study. Three recurring lines that happen right away in Psalm 27. Um, David says this over and over again. He says, whom shall I fear? And then again, he says, of, what shall I be, of whom shall I be afraid? Later on, he says, my heart shall not fear. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? My heart shall not fear. You know what I find really, really comforting as I turn to the 27th Psalm? The same guy who, as a young boy, walked down with a slingshot to face a giant that same guy who we look and we say, certainly he never struggles with fear. That same guy struggles with fear. And I think what we have as he um, pours out his heart in the 27th Psalm is this, this, this reminder. He's speaking into his heart of who the Lord is and then the outcomes of what happened when that reminder is camped deeply in the bedrock of our heart. And so I ask, uh, what are you afraid of as we start today? Because my prayer is that as we walk out of here today with this fear-crushing reminder, we'd be able to walk out of here like Macaulay Culkin walked down his front sidewalk in Home Alone 1. I'm not afraid anymore. You hear me? I'm not afraid anymore. Come on, Home Alone fans, right? You're with me? We'd be able to walk here. Every good sermon has a Macaulay Culkin reference, right? Pray with me. Let's ask God to use this word in our heart. Father, we are people who get afraid. Lord, we are people who at times where I know in my life, at times where I've wanted to stand resolutely in courage and in remembrance of who you are, I have shrunk back in fear. Lord, I, we are people who the, the underlying root of fear can manifest itself in different ways in our heart. And so God, um, as David writes this, as your spirit inspired it, would you allow us to be reminded of who you are? And as we're reminded of who you are, would that be the fear-conquering reminder our heart needs today? Then, Lord, show us the outcomes of that lived out in our life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 27, verse 1. The 
title over this given to the psalm, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And it says, Of David. David, the writer of this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh or to devour me, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Let me give you this fear-crushing reminder right from the top of this psalm, and it's this. Here is the fear-crushing reminder our heart needs to cling to, and it's this. The Lord is the fortress of my life. Now, that might not have the immediate impact in your heart um, um, right away, but we're going to unpack how what David is saying here can allow us to rise above fear when it comes, fear of any circumstance. Look back at verse 1 and look at how David describes the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light. There is absolutely nothing of darkness that I have to fear. Why? Because if the Lord is our light, his light always overcomes darkness. His light always cuts through darkness. Light always triumphs over darkness. And if the Lord is our light, that's like, I mean, that's a spotlight. That is a beam of light that no darkness can, can, can overcome. The Lord is my light. And then he says, and the Lord is my salvation. Uh, the image that came to mind not till early this morning was, um, as you think about the Lord as our salvation, he's the one saving you. I'm not a very good swimmer. But I bet I would have some um, courage that would well up in me if I showed up to the deep end of a pool and I looked up and the lifeguard on duty was a guy named Michael Phelps, right? I'd probably take some chances in the pool that day, knowing that guy can probably save me. If the Lord is our salvation, what in the world could possibly happen that the Lord, the strong arm of the Lord is not possible to rescue us from? Nothing. The Lord is thy light, and he's my salvation. And he comes there, and he says, whom shall I fear? And then this picture, and it's this picture that I want to unpack for us. And when the, when the, when the scriptures give us imagery, we got to see the imagery. Don't just, read, don't just read something like, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, and just see the ink on the page. See the imagery that David sees in his head. When he, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. The Lord is the refuge of my life. The, the, the Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my fortress. When David says this, it's like we got to get from the ink on the page to that. And what you can't probably see, especially if you're way in the back, at the top of that mountain there, the fortress just continues. It's like a fortress that goes into a mountain. The Lord is the fortress of our life. That's why he can say here, of whom shall I be afraid? In Christ, you're camped out in that. You stand at the top of the fortress and you say, bring it. The Lord is the fortress of my life. Now, look at what he goes on to say. When evildoers assail me to devour me or eat up my flesh, my, adver my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Why? Because they're fighting against the fortress that is the Lord. 
when an army encamped against me, though an army encamp against me, now picture it, David's in the fortress. Remember, he's a military man. This image that he's giving here is one he's no doubt seen. It's one he's experienced of being in a stronghold, being in a fortress, being in a strong tower, and an army coming from a distance and camping around you. That would produce some fear probably, right? And he says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Why? Because he is in the fortress that is the Lord. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. When we understand, when our heart gets it, not just our head, when our heart gets it, that the fortress that we have for our life, is the Lord himself. There's something that in our, that's in our heart that goes, and what do I have to be afraid of? If he really is my fortress, my refuge, my stronghold, what in the world do I have to be afraid of? Now, um, that's a picture, that's an illustration, that's uh, an image. How in the world does this work lived out in our life, especially for those of us who sit in this room on this side of the cross? What do we need to understand about the fact that the Lord is the stronghold of our life, the Lord is the fortress of our life? Think about this. Um, God in his goodness saw us in our sin saw us in our rebellion, all of us in this room before Jesus, pre-Jesus, without knowing Jesus, were wretched rebels. God looks down on us and out of love sees us in this, loves us so much to send his only son. The son of God did not stop short of shedding his own blood on the cross, crucified, buried, risen, that the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we are, the, the wretched rebel is made completely right with a holy God, not because we're right, because Jesus is right. The wretched rebel who's made completely right with a holy God has the spirit of the living God dwelling in them. And we're literally children of God who are in Christ. We are literally in the refuge that is Christ. In such a way that you're like, what do you mean would what would be fair for? Like, there's stuff happening in our world that produces fear, totally. There is evil assailing on every side. There is just absolute atrocities. And yet for the child of God who in, who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, and we say it all the time around here, the absolute worst thing to fear, the absolute worst thing that could happen is that something or someone in this world could take our very life, and even in the taking of our life from this earth, we still win. What in the world do we have to be afraid of? The Lord is the fortress of my life. Now, I want to, and you see it on your notes there, that is kind of the one, what's the message about? It's about this reminder that the Lord is the fortress of our life. Now, okay, what, how does that affect the way we walk out of church today and live this week? Uh, because uh, when we walk out of church and live this week, stuff's going to happen that's going to make us want to make us fearful again. If you're a really astute Home Alone fan, 
you'll know that after saying that, I'm not afraid anymore. Do you hear me? I'm not afraid anymore. You know what happened? He got to the end of the sidewalk, and there's the creepy dude who shoveled the sidewalks and salted it, you know? And what'd he do? Scream, turn around, ran up the stairs under the covers of the bed. That's going to happen this week. Not that, probably, but something <laughs> like that is going to happen this week. You're going to study Psalm 27. You're going to be, that's right. Do you hear me? The Lord is the fortress of my life. Do that. I dare you. Out your front door this week. Do that. <laughs> and then you're going to show up at work and, hey, it looks like maybe three months from now it might be a, a, a headcount reduction and you're just going to sit in the unknown of that. And all of a sudden it's like, the Lord is kind of the fortress of my life. Some news is going to come in this week, and immediate, your heart and your flesh is going to want to immediately knee-jerk to the ditch of fear. So how does that reminder live out? That's where I think the rest of the psalm goes. Pick it up, verse 4. Let's talk about these outcomes. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. How does this change the way? This understanding that the Lord is the light and the salvation and the fortress of our life, how does this begin to change the way we handle fear? The first way I think it begins to change the way we handle fear is this. Um, we will say this, I will fixate on his presence and not on my fear. I mean, look what he says. Three times immediately in this psalm, of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I be afraid? My heart shall not fear. Um, 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 uh, David is talking about how do I rise above this fear here? And then he gets to verse 4, and immediately he's like, one thing have I asked of the Lord. See, the singular focus of his heart here. One thing do I want right now. What is it, David, that I'll seek after? I'm going to seek after this, that I'd go dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The very manifest presence of the Lord in David's day uh, was a very physical location, right? The tabernacle, which would then become the, the temple that Solomon, his son, would build. And he's like, I just want to go be near to the manifest presence of the Lord. Um, I think when our heart gets that the Lord is the fortress of our life, when fear begins to rise, when something happens that typically produces fear, fear always wants to, to steal our fixation. Fear wants us to fixate on it. Fear, fear is one of those things that like the only thing we can focus on is that which is producing fear. And David coming out of the reminder, you don't want to know the fortress of my life is, but the Lord is the fortress of my life. So you don't want to know what I want to do? I want to go fixate on the presence of God. I just want more of the presence of God. I want to go be with him. I want, I, want, I want to gaze upon his beauty. And when our heart is at rest, knowing that the Lord is our fortress, we no longer fixate on the things producing fear, and we just continue to fixate on the very presence of the Lord. He goes on. Verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. 
He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Second outcome of the Lord as the fortress of our life is this. I will trust him for protection from what is producing fear. We begin to trust him for protection. What is the natural, think all the way back to when you were like knee high. Think about your kids who might be knee high right now. What is the natural response when we are scared? The natural response is to run and hide. Um, Our oldest four-year-old, he's kind of hit the stage where scared of the dark is setting in. And um, so often at night, you'll feel in the middle of the night this like slow army crawl up the end of the bed. Like, if I go slow enough, they won't know. And I typically don't know until I, like, I get kicked in the face by a four-year-old in the middle of the night. Um, so he's begun to, you know, sneak out because he gets scared at times. Um, uh, just this week, um, before we were even in bed, he had snuck out into our room. And I don't know if you can see this and if you're the back. Our, our bed, he was out, out cold. Our bed gained another pillow right there in the middle, snuck in, covered himself with all of the pillows. This is what we do when we're scared. And adults, we just do it in different ways. There's something inside of us that when fear kind of grows inside of us, we want to run and hide. But I just want to remind us, with the Lord as the fortress of our life, we don't have to run and hide. Why? Look at what verse 5 told us. Because he will hide us in his shelter. Above, uh, um, in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. When fear wants to win out, we don't have to run and hide because we are already perfectly hidden in the protection that is Christ. I don't have to run and hide in fear. He's got me. And he's got you. And guess what? He's got the situation and circumstance which is producing so much fear inside of your heart. He's got you. And so we trust him for protection. And then in trusting him for protection, our heart rests at peace. Verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. See the confidence building. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. See the worship language. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Come on now. That's that's practical stuff right there. Think about the last time you were gripped by fear. Gripped. And imagine in that moment a song welling up in your heart. He said, I want to be in the presence of the Lord and I want to offer sacrifice with shouts of joy. I want a melody to rise up in my heart. What if that's how the way, what if that's the way as followers of Jesus, we can walk through the things that produce so much fear in our life with a melody in our heart? Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, verse 7. 
Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Hear it, child of God. You are not an orphan. He has not left you. Though you may feel at times that those all around you have forsaken you. Cling to what it says here, but the Lord will take me in. The fourth reminder when we see the Lord as the fortress of our life is this. I will seek his face knowing he won't forsake me. Now, what does it mean to seek the face of the Lord? You see that expression throughout Scripture. Uh, just This is very simple. Um, but I think when Scripture refers to the face of the Lord, seeking the face of the Lord, it's a reference to his presence. Uh, when it talks about seeking here, to, the, to seek here means to set your heart and mind on. So again, David is coming back to uh, set your mind and set your heart on the very presence of the Lord here. I want to seek your face, O God. And uh, you're like, isn't that related to the first outcome we talked about? It absolutely is. But don't despise the redundancy here. In times of fear, how we have to keep coming back to a seeking of his presence, a seeking of his presence, a seeking of his presence, as we rest in his presence, the confidence and the fortress that is our God rises up inside of us. A melody rises up in our heart. We come to offer worship with shouts of joy in the midst of fear. That is what the Lord is producing inside of us here. Now, to verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Look, don't read too quickly. Teach me, teach me your what? Teach, what's it say? Teach me your way and lead me on a level path why? Because of my enemies. Lord, you, you hear my adversaries. You hear the threats. Lord, in the midst of the very loud voice of my adversaries, in the midst, right in the face of the threats, let me, let me follow your way. Lord, show me the level path that you have plowed before me here. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, verse 12. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Fifth, I will walk the path that brings him glory in the face of fear. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Here's the thing fear often wants to do. Um, fear, fear often has the ability to get us to detour off the path that God has called us to. Fear at its worst will get us to stop dead in our tracks and not walk the path that God has called us to. Um, sometimes the most faithful path that will bring God glory is the most fearful path. We don't preach that often. But isn't this true? 
Sometimes the most faithful path that the Lord is calling you is the most fear-inducing path. I was with a uh, missions pastor this week up at 42nd and Post. And if you know anything about the 42nd and Post area, uh, you know about a lot about just... Um, it's one of the highest crime rates in Indianapolis, uh, one of the highest murder kind of areas of Indianapolis. And there's this missions pastor up there just doing phenomenal work at 42nd and Post. I got a call a few months ago um, from a, a church in Florida, uh, kind of like right on the Gulf side, right on the coast. Um, they're like, hey, we got an open missions pastor position. You came on the radar. We'd love to talk to you about it. Um, we have a $3 million budget, a million of which goes to missions every year. We just want you to come down and tell us how to spend that million dollars. So let's, let's unpack that. 42nd and Post in Indianapolis, highest crime, one of the highest crime, one of the highest murder areas of our city, flourishing church on the coast of Florida, who just said, we have a million dollars a year, you tell us how to spend it. And he just said, we're sitting in a, 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 um, a school 105, right off of 42nd and Post this week, as he's telling me about the after-school program they're doing and how often they have to duck first graders flinging chairs at their heads, seriously. And he's like, I, I, I can't go. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, I'm sure. I can't go. Like, I'm called here. And sometimes the most faithful paths are the most fearful paths. And yet, faithful to the Lord. Last one here. Finish this psalm with me. Verse 13. Beautiful. What's about to be said. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. First word of 14 is? First word of 14, come on. Do you like that? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. How oxymoronic is that in our culture? When's the last time you've heard the message, be strong, take courage, you ready? Wait. Last one, when we are, the Lord is the refuge of our heart, I will take courage to wait on the Lord and not act out of fear. Hear me. Take the note, take the note, but then look up here. This isn't for effect. They fog up, and so I got to let them unfog. And <laughs> You're like, is that a new oratory skill? No, they just fog, and I can't see anymore. So um, wait on the Lord. Fear-based decisions are always really bad decisions. When fear rises up in your heart, all of a sudden we get frantic and we just want to act. We want to do something. We want to alleviate the fear. And we're just like, I got to do something right now. Wait on the Lord. Fear-based decisions. Come on, think about it. Think of the last decision you made based on fear. How did it turn out? Wait on the Lord. 
Don't act on fear. Wait on the Lord. Don't act on fear. Wait on the Lord. Don't act on fear. Wait on the Lord. He is your strong tower. He is your refuge. He is your stronghold. He sees. He knows. He knows the tendency of your heart to want to knee-jerk and freak out and, oh, my goodness, and how's this going to turn out? And remind your heart who is the fortress of your life and wait and rest. But I want to solve it right now. If you try, you'll make more of a mess of it. Wait, wait, wait. The Lord is my mighty fortress. Implication, what in the world shall we fear? I want to leave you with two songs on your mind today. The first is this song right here. There's benefit in chopping up a psalm like we just did for understanding. But we have to remember we're studying a song. And there's detriment when we chop. Imagine, you know, we're listening to a song and we stopped it. You know, every, every five seconds stopped and unpacked it. Now hear the whole song in unison. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And all God's people said... Second song I want to leave you with, a homework assignment. As we have preached this psalm, those of you who grew up singing hymns, is there any hymn that has come to mind? A mighty fortress is our God. 
lyrics say, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. What's a bulwark? A wall of defense. A a mighty fortress is our God, a wall of mighty defense that will never fail. That's who he is. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Are there a flood of mortal ills all around us? Yeah, he's our helper in the midst of that. For still our ancient foe, Satan, for still our ancient foe, doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. He's the ruler of the prince of this air. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. It's kind of a downer for the end of verse one. Oh yeah, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And he's like really good at what he does. And he's assailing us on every side. It's kind of a downer for the end of verse one. Let's go to verse two. You ready for verse two? Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Try to do this in your own strength. Don't wait on the Lord. Let fear overcome you. You're going to lose. Brock, you're going to lose that every time. We're not the right man, capital M man, on our side. The man of God's own choosing does ask who that may be. Who's that? Christ Jesus, it is he. Come on, where are my, my hymnal people in here, right? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. Lord of hosts, his name. From age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, hate him. We tremble not for him, though. We don't tremble for him. Why? His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Picture that. We're like so terrified of what the enemy can do to us. And one word of the living God, boom, he's gone. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gift are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom reigns forever. A mighty fortress is our God. What greater way to remind our hearts of this than a time of communion right now? If you're serving communion, you can go back and get ready to serve the church that A couple of things as we prepare our hearts for this. Um, in light of Psalm 27, let it guide us into communion. Um, hey, hey, let's let them get back there to serve. But just look up here. So convicted this morning in preparing for communion. Um, 
if you've grown up in church in any amount of time, you just get used to it, right? Oh, Lord, remind us of what we're doing right now. as we think about him as our strong tower and we reflect on his blood running down a cross if God who did not stop from giving his own life for us if that's our God What in the world do we have to be afraid of? If the God who then triumphed over death, completely eliminating any of the power of sin and death, like what in Christ can we not stand victorious over? And so with a fresh reminder of what we're doing here in these moments of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, of, of, of taking very seriously what scripture says to examine our own heart as we take this, to not take of it in an unworthy manner. Not just to like, oh, here they come, here's the thing and the other thing. And, but staring into that juice going, his, his blood poured out for me, staring at that piece of bread, saying his body was literally broken for me. Examining our hearts in these moments to say, Lord, um, where is their sin? Where is their fear that's manifesting as sin? Where do you need to be ruling and reigning in my heart in a greater way? Father, would you prepare us for this time? You are our mighty fortress. What do we have to fear? That truth most powerfully expressed in your sacrifice on the cross. Would we worship in this time appropriate to the remembrance of what that was all about? In Jesus' name.